You're listening to a podcast from Columbia Christian Fellowship in Columbia, Pennsylvania. Our services are weekly at 10 a.m. We hope to see you there. Till Art gets his last hug in there, and then we'll. Everybody loves being hugged by Brother Art. That's an amen, right? A few people to sit down yet. Okay, before we begin the message, Bob has something he wants to share. About, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, we started doing a declaration before we, uh, sometime in the service. Well, one time, Hub and I go up here and pray in the morning, and, uh, well, Monday morning anyway. So the one day when I was up there praying with Hub, uh, I had a, I was debating whether I was going to share this or not, but I guess I am since I started. Um, kind of a move impression in my spirit about this. And this was a couple weeks ago. I did share it with our, our prayer meeting on Wednesday, a couple Wednesdays ago. But I had this, this impression in my spirit that as someone stood up front here and the congregation stood there was a great move of the Holy Spirit that like a, a wave washed over the whole congregation. Now, I don't know when that's going to happen. I mean, I have no timeline on that at all. But I am sure, am sure, am sure that that is something that God had showed me to share with you. Uh, I guess it was to share with you because I am sharing it with you. But... Um, Anyway, I wanted to, to bring that forward. No matter how you feel, that is something I would like you to join with me in believing and holding out for and holding on to that God is going to do. Because I believe it was, I just need multiplication of unity and, and agreement in that. So thank you so much for that. Now, I know that <clears throat> there's folks out there with ailments. There's folks out here with bone hurts, people with stomach issues, people with migraines, people who have trouble breathing. There's a lot of people who just need a touch from the Lord. Amen. Who needs to be healed. So I'm going to ask you to stand. Would you stand? And even, well, if you don't, if you can't, don't. I'm thinking of a brother over there that's struggling. But there's more to this than just 
reading the, the word, and I, I do want to read it because I don't want to mess it up, <laughs> honestly. Uh, but there's more to healing in this body than just the physical ailments. There's, there's stress, there's anxiety, there's all kinds of stuff. So don't put, a, don't put a label on it, really. And there's more than just healing, too. The word says, and it's kind of a paraphrase in a way, it says, in this era, you know their threats and how they are coming against the church. So now, Lord, give us, your, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. I think that's something that we need to grab on to. The other thing is, I want you to, you got your eyes closed, stretch out to somebody. Because this is for us. This is for us. Now, Lord, stretch out your hand to heal through us in your power and perform many miracles and signs and wonders in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. It's all through us that God does this in his power. Be healed. Believe this. Receive this mm. healing and walk in it. Yep. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Amen. Yep. You may be seated and thank you, Bob. I am in agreement with you that God is going to move by a, a sweeping, a sweeping of his Holy Spirit across our congregation. How many of you received the text message this morning? Not, not just yesterday's, but you, you were able to see your phone this morning. Oh, just, just a handful. Let's see what we got. So I sent out a text to the church saying this. Last week, we responded to God's altar call. This week, he is going to respond to our response. You don't want to miss it. God has something to say, and it's in response to what we did yes, last week. When we responded to him, today he's going to respond to us. And I'm telling you, I hope you're sensing it. God is so pleased. I could, I could start crying up here. God is so pleased. I hope you're feeling that, how pleased he is with you, how much he loves you, how much he loves us. We get so caught up in the things of life and what's happening to us that we don't really experience. It blocks our experience of how much he loves us. We think that if, anything's, if everything's not going completely right, he doesn't love us, and that's so far from the truth.
Somebody else want to come up here and preach today? I don't think I'm going to get through it. So before we begin today's message, I do want to give us a brief review. The last two weeks, we have been looking at the story of Stephen. We'll finish that up today. God was using Stephen mightily in kingdom work. Stephen was an ordinary believer. He was probably in that crowd of folks who heard the apostles come out of the upper room, was pricked in his heart and said, what must I do to be saved? Not too long ago, three chapters ago, that was him. Now he's this mighty leader in the church. An ordinary believer became a mighty leader, and God's using him to do extraordinary things. He was telling others about Jesus, but not just telling others. It was accompanied by miraculous signs and wonders. It's missing in the church today. That's missing in the church. Did I say that's missing in the church today? Who said that? Amen. Well, that made the religious authorities and the government authorities angry at Stephen. He was arrested and he was brutally executed. No sense covering up anymore. We know the end of the story. He was stoned to death. Two weeks ago, the title was The Story of Stephen and Introduction. We introduced him. Last week, the story of Stephen continued. We told about what happened to him. And now I'd like to invite Tiffany or Rhea, whoever, whichever of you is coming, if you'll come up and read today's text while we stand with you to support you and to honor God's word. Acts chapter 8, 1 through 4. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church and in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church going from house to house he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went thank you Rhea we're so glad you came up and read you may be seated so today's title, The Story of Stephen, Now the Aftermath. We know how the story ended. What comes next? Well, Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Saul was one of the witnesses, that's to Stephen's death, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. It's interesting, last week we mentioned that as the accusers stoned Stephen, they laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Or it could be a young ruler named Saul. Possibly Saul, who you know became Paul, right? Possibly Saul was even a member of the council and was overseeing the execution of Stephen. 
Now this week, Saul is mentioned again in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, and then in verse 3. But you don't hear any more of him after that till deep into chapter 9. Luke has a way of introducing characters into the story, into the text, before they become the main character. He gives you an introduction into a, a person who eventually is going to become a main character thrust on the main stage. And then it becomes primarily about them, just as he did with Stephen. We saw that with Stephen. He was mentioned in the earlier chapter, chapter 6, as the first one picked by the congregation to administer the food bank. Stephen was the food bank administrator. He wasn't an apostle. In the church in Jerusalem, he was the food bank administrator, and actually to a certain section of the food bank, which is important to know as we move on. But then he became the main character in Acts chapter 7 as God began to use him mightily. We'll talk much more at length about Saul, Paul, as we go through the book of Acts. You, you can't escape that. But for now, we just want to mention him in connection with Stephen. Saul was there at Stephen's execution. And this event, the way Stephen died, if you remember, he died in glory. He died a glorious death. I wonder if he even felt the boulders hitting him as he gazed into heaven and saw the Lord. And the spiritual realm became so real to him that he was able to forgive those who were throwing rocks at him. I want us to know, don't mistake it, Stephen's death was not in vain. Paul goes on to write about Stephen's death several times in the 13 letters that he writes to the New Testament church. He mentions Stephen's death quite often. I guess Stephen should be able to collect some royalties on that, right? Paul wrote about Stephen later after he was converted because of, he saw the Christ-like way in which Stephen died. Had a great impact on one of the greatest impactors of the church. So at this point, however, we just have to know Saul is not Paul, he's not godly, and he's not Christ-like in any way. Saul is on a killing spree. Saul has become a terrorist, a domestic terrorist in Jerusalem. Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house dragging both men and women, believers, Christians, anyone who professed Christ, dragging them out to throw them into prison, and also many of them were killed. Just like we said, Saul went on this killing spree. He became a terrorist to the church in an attempt to destroy the church of Jesus. So let's, let's now go into the aftermath. That's the role that Saul played. Let's look at this af aftermath of, Saul, of Stephen's whole ordeal. Again, back to verse 1. A great wave of persecution began that day. What day? The day Stephen was killed. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. We're expecting a sweeping wave of the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm looking for. Will it come in the midst of a sweeping wave, a sweeping wave of persecution? Possibly. But maybe not. 
in our text, Stephen's death opens the door for a great wave of persecution to come sweeping over the church. The thought here is that it was a relentless force, and it was gaining momentum day by day. It began that day, the day Stephen was stoned. There was no time even for the church to prepare. There was no warning. It just broke out. Let me give us a word of warning. Things can change suddenly. There's things that a year or two ago you said would never be true of the United States, and now they are. We've said things would never be true of our religious freedom, our protected religious freedom in the United States, and now they're not protected anymore. Things can change suddenly. Persecution can come about suddenly when we're not even remotely expecting it. It can very much catch us by surprise. To be forewarned is to be forearmed. Definition of persecution. A relentless, aggressive pursuit with evil or malicious intent. And don't be naive. Don't think that there aren't powerful forces. That whole Ephesians 6 group of characters, principalities and powers of darkness in the heavenly places and powers of darkness in the earthly realm. Don't think that there isn't a group of powerful forces, both demonic and human, that aren't trying to destroy the church in America. Some related words to persecution, and you you may know some of these well. Harassment, oppression, maltreatment, torture, discrimination, intimidation, subjection, hounding, bullying, on and on. It's the exercise of control over a people group that disagrees with you. Persecution can be simply very annoying, or it can be life-threatening. There's two firsts in this passage, Acts chapter 8. It's the first time in the book of Acts that the word persecution is used. And it's the first time that it affects ordinary believers. Up to now, it was only directed at the apostles. Now, ordinary members of the church are feeling the wrath of Satan through Paul and the religious leaders. I think this next point is extremely relevant to us. Evil was greatly emboldened by this incident with Stephen. Listening? I really believe Satan wants to distract today. You're going to have to fight to focus. You're going to have to fight to focus today. You hear me? Let me know if you heard me. You're going to have to fight to focus today. Evil was greatly emboldened by this incident with Stephen, by its success. Evil was successful in its own eyes in this incident with Stephen. 
there were no seeming repercussions. There was no one to stand up against the persecution. They got away with it, seemingly. Evil has now puffed out its chest, and it feels invincible. Killing Stephen without any repercussions started a feeding frenzy in Jerusalem. Like sharks once they smell blood. And now it's a sweeping wave. It's like a tsunami. It's hard to stop. There's no stopping it. It's emboldened and it's out of control. Word of application for us. Last week, we said that historically speaking, Satan has not been able to bring this level of persecution in our nation. Not to the best of my knowledge. All it takes is for one incident to open the door. Is that right, Art? And evil becomes emboldened. All it takes is for one incident to open the door, then suddenly. When evil gets away unchecked, evil becomes very much emboldened. Let he who has ears to hear hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. We need to be praying for our nation. Evil is becoming extremely emboldened in our nation. It's finding that it's unstoppable. It has favor in high places in many areas of our nation. Government, academia, media, entertainment. Right now, evil is fueling its oats, so to speak. And it's pushing its agenda. And there's not much to stand in its way. That he who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We need to be praying for our nation. We need to be praying for the church. That's why we bring Justin up here every week. Are you tired of hearing? Are you tired of hearing from Justin? Well, then start coming out. And start praying. It's that important. If you can't make one of those two prayer times, and that's totally understandable, start your own with some people and start praying. Or let the leadership know of a time you could be here, and we'll start a prayer meeting that you can be a part of, you can facilitate. But it's no coincidence, most announcements come and go, but it's no coincidence that we bring Justin up here every Sunday, every Sunday, because it's that important that we be praying together. Back to the text, Acts 8.1. All the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. It says all the believers, this is one place where all does not mean all. And I don't mean to shake your faith in the word, please don't go there. But I want to try and explain this, but it's a very, it could be a long explanation, I'm not going to go in depth. Without going into a lot of detail, just know that in context, this is reference to those believers who were closely associated with Stephen. They were called the Hellenist believers. 
You remember that word from back when the, the Greek widows and the Hebrew widows were at each other? These are, the Greek, these are the Greek believers of Greek descent. They were the ones who fled the city because they were the ones who came under the first wave of, a, of attack. It wasn't that every single believer of Jerusalem left the city. It was this particular group of believers in the church that was being heavily persecuted. At first, it spread later. Remember now, there's multiple thousands of believers in the church at Jerusalem. Not all of them left. If you want to talk more about that, if you want to know more about that, you can see me privately. I want to move on to what is the main point, what God wants to address today. Because I feel it's very encouraging. What's really important here is where they scattered to. The believers being scattered seemed at first, that's a bad thing, isn't it? They're leaving the city. And it wasn't a pleasant experience for them. Many of them died. But notice where they scattered to. Can you see it on the screen? Where'd they scatter to? Where? They went to Judea and Samaria. Does that sound familiar to anybody? So what did Jesus command the church just before he ascended? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses first in Jerusalem, then in where? Eventually, under Paul. Isn't that ironic? Eventually, under Paul, to the ends of the earth, the ends of the known world at that time. I'm not sure if this is how Jesus intended for it to happen, but through this persecution, the church is fulfilling his prediction, fulfilling his command. Up to this time, they were having a great success in Jerusalem. Oh, it was up and down, but basically they were having great success in the city. Why move on? We have a tendency to become comfortable when things are going good. Those of you who know me know that I'm a rut guy. And when I'm in my rut, I'm not coming out of my rut unless God breaks me out of it somehow. Which he has done numerous times. What's that saying? Until the pain of staying the same becomes worse than the pain of change, we won't change. They were not planning any trips to Judea or Samaria in the near future, not that we know of. But now, suddenly... Man, when God moves, he moves suddenly. You're going to have to fight the focus today. I see a lot of movement, a lot of people getting up and moving around. If it's not necessary, please don't do that today. Cell phones on silent or off. You're going to have to fight to focus. I can feel it up here. I don't know if you can notice or not, but I have a mouth full of ulcers. It's very hard to speak. That's no coincidence. We have other people who are, came sick. Praise the Lord, you came, but you came sick because there's a lot of pushback right now. You're going to have to fight the focus today. But now, suddenly and unexpectedly, the church was headed north. The church was moving quickly. At least a segment of the church, as we said, was moving quickly out of Jerusalem. And where were they going? Judea and Samaria. Probably not the way they thought it would happen. It was more like they were being driven north to Judea and Samaria. But in any event, 
The word of the Lord Jesus is now being fulfilled. God is amazing. <laughs> Two observations here. One is very insignificant, but I just think it's, it's something to mention. The command of Acts 1.8 was fulfilled in Acts 8.1. I notice those kind of silly things. The command of, of Acts chapter 8, 1 was, of 1.8 was familled, <laughs> fulfilled in Acts 8.1. Coincidence, I'm sure, but that's interesting. The second observation is much more significant than that observation. Check out what the believers were doing as they were moving north, as they were being scattered. Those who had been scattered preached the word. Fleeing for their lives, preaching the word as they go. We live in peace and comfort and security, and we're not preaching the word. When was the last time you talked to somebody about Jesus out, just out there, out in the world? The believers may have abandoned Jerusalem, but they never abandoned the mission. That's some level of commitment. Scattered is a very interesting word. It means to sow seed. It means to broadcast or spread seed. You know, there's certain seed that you put a little hole and you put the seed in it. Then there's other seed like lettuce and some other things that you just scatter it along. Scattered means to sow seed, to broadcast or spread seed, and wherever the seed lands, it plants, it settles, it sends down roots, and it bears fruit. Can you see where this is going? Two things are happening simultaneously here. The believers themselves were being scattered as seed by the Lord north to, Jerusalem, to Judea and Samaria. And the believers themselves were scattering the seed because they preached the word of God, which is referred to as seed, throughout Judea and Samaria as they went, wherever they landed. God was scattering his people as seed out into Judea and Samaria. And as they went, they scattered the seed of the word throughout Judea and Samaria. It's just like God, and this is getting towards the main point. It's just like God to bring about great good from something that's seemingly so bad. Right? Come on, I, I need some response today. Is that right? I need somebody out there right now to say, God is amazing. God is amazing. Amen. Saul and the Jewish religious leaders, that group of demonic forces and human agents who are trying to, to destroy America, did not realize they were defeating their own purpose. Saul and the Jewish leaders did not realize they were defeating their own purpose. And neither does the evil that's trying to destroy our country today realize they're defeating their own purpose. They were actually, back to the text, they were actually helping the believers accomplish their purpose. 
Instead of weakening and snuffing out the church, believers, Christianity, they were causing it to strengthen. They were causing it to spread exponentially. They were causing the church to actually fulfill the words of Jesus. Evil is not actually stupid. Evil is diabolically brilliant. But evil acts so stupid, so foolish. Scripture actually says to turn away from God and not follow his ways is foolishness. And when you do that, you become a fool. Scripture's words, not mine. It was like a dandelion. Can you picture a dandelion and it goes into that little, it's a yellow flower first, right, and then a white ball, or vice versa. That's what it goes. And when you're kids, what'd you love to do, man? Pick up that dandelion. Well, once you own a home and you're trying to keep a nice lawn, that's not so fun anymore. But what you do is you pick it up and you blow it and you think you're destroying the dandelion, but what are you actually doing? You're spreading the dandelion seed all over your lawn. And that's what Paul and the religious authorities were doing right here. They thought they were destroying the church, but they were just scattering the church. Accomplishing God's will. You think Satan would realize after all these centuries since the garden that everything he does accomplishes God's will. I'm not taking it lightly because it's a force to be reckoned with. But yet this is still true. I think the same can be said of COVID. Seemingly a very negative thing in the earth that we've had to deal with for over a year now. Yet God used COVID to awaken a sleeping church. Good. I'm glad that there's a response to that. If you didn't respond to that, then it's wrong because we weren't awakened. God used COVID to awaken a sleeping church, to poke the bear, to raise up a dormant giant, shake to life a dormant giant. This is my own opinion. Satan got much more than he expected. The church in America, at least pockets of it, the rising remnant, we'll call it, the true biblical ecclesia, the true biblical church, is much stronger, much more alive, and much more vibrant today than before COVID. And that includes us. As hard as it was, it ends up being a great blessing in disguise. And it always does because of God. Evil hasn't yet learned that lesson. Have we, though, learned that lesson? And if we've learned that lesson, maybe we'll respond differently to these things that come that are so seemingly bad, where we become so quickly disappointed and fall into unbelief. We've been praying for healing in here more and more intensely. We're standing on the word, and in some cases, it's going the other way. We so easily become disappointed, discouraged, and in unbelief, and so we turn away from it. When actually God's trying to to teach us to become more persevering, more pressing in on this. Don't give up. Go after it all the harder.
I'm sure that when COVID was introduced into the world, and in my own opinion, it was a collaboration between demonic forces and human forces in this dark world that brought that about and brought it on the world. And I'm not sure they realized what would happen through it, or they might not have done it. Here's the point for today. God always turns evil intention around for great good. Always. This is the primary thing God wants us to know today, and it's in response to our commitment last week. He waited. you got to put this in. you got to understand this in like a God perspective because we'll say that, you know, in space and time, things happen, and, and they have to happen in sequence before something can, else can happen. So we could say that, you know, God waited till just the right moment before he gave us that invitation to come forward and commit to him. He had to build us and prepare us and equip us and warn us. And then he had to make sure we knew how serious it could be. He didn't want us making a commitment on false information. This is going to be a cakewalk. So he waited till we learned that, hey, stepping out for him can be very serious, can end up costing our lives. Did you hear that? Can end up costing our lives. We would have never thought that in America. But once he saw last week, which he already knew, but once he saw that these pews emptied out, I mean emptied out, when I said, when I said last week, when I say three, come running forward, and I said three, and this church emptied out and came forward. And God saw that. He already knew it, but in space and time, he saw that. And he said, now, now I can begin to work with this group. And so he's going to respond today to our response with a promise to us. God always turns evil intention around for great good, and he wants us to know that. Let's support this with some scripture. Genesis 50, 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. If you are familiar with Genesis, you know it's the story of Joseph. Joseph, a little bit of pride going on there, told his brothers the dreams of how God was going to promote him, even though Joseph had no clue how, why, when. But his brothers didn't buy it, so they dumped him in a, in a well. They were going to leave him to die, but some traders came along. They, they pulled him out, and they sold him, and he ended up in Egypt. Oh, this looks like a terrible story. Then when he was e in Egypt, he began to rise to the top, but he was unjustly accused of something he didn't do. And then he was imprisoned. And then he helped someone else get out of prison and said, remember me to the king, and he was forgotten. And he stayed in prison 13 more years. He's there unjustly to begin with. This looks horrible. And then you know the end of the story. 
Joseph finds favor and he's promoted. And by the end of the story, he's Pharaoh's right-hand man. Pharaoh has turned everything over to Joseph in the land. And the brothers have to come and see him because there's a famine. They have to buy food and they end up bowing down before him. And Joseph's words to his brothers are in Genesis 50:20. All this was intended for evil, but God turned it around for great good, the saving of many lives. We can't see that outcome where we're in the midst of that pressure and that evil. Amen? Amen. All we see is the pressure of being in the midst of this. But there's an outcome. And God, who's outside of time and space, he sees the outcome as if it's now. And he keeps saying, my son, my daughter, hang in there. Don't give in. Persevere. New Testament, and you know this one, I'm sure. It's one of the first verses we learn when we become a Christian. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. First notice that this includes everything. Don't think in your mind, and Satan will help you do this. Don't think in your mind, yeah, but it it doesn't mean, yes, it does. It means that. It means everything. Yeah, but you don't know how bad I sinned. That's all right. God is a redemptive God. He's going to redeem your sin, and he's going to change it around. Nothing can happen that God can't, nothing can happen that God can't work and bring about great good from it. Now, there's a second thing to notice, though, and this is just being real. Notice who this promise is to. It's those who love God. It's not to everyone. We tend to quote it sometimes as if it's a a blanket promise, a blanket policy to everyone, but it's not. It's a promise to those who love God. It's a promise to those who are walking according to his purposes. See, this is real now. It's a promise to those who are living for him. Just because you're a professing believer doesn't mean this promise is for you. Are you living for him? Have you made his purpose your life purpose? If you have, this is your promise. But if you haven't, there's no guarantee. God is very merciful. God is so forgiving and he blesses us when we don't deserve it. But this is the promise to those who have made his purposes, kingdom living, your purpose in life. Now you have this promise. Brings us towards the conclusion, brings us to the, the relevance to last week and how, why God himself is responding to our response last week. This promise is for those who are living wholeheartedly for the Lord. This is your promise. God promises those folks that nothing can happen. Nothing will happen in their lives no situation, no circumstance that he won't cause it to work out for great good. Application. Last week was a very decisive 
significant moment in our church. I don't know if you felt it or not. I don't know if you sensed it or not. It was huge. I didn't share this with everyone, but most of the leaders for sure. I got something that's going on in my eye here. Sorry about that. Um, Sometimes it's so ridiculous. You know, it's like, are you that obvious? I guess it was two or three weeks ago, after a sermon, pretty heavy-hitting sermon, all of a sudden I saw this line appear. And I did not know what it was, but it was a clear line of demarcation. I could see it. And up until that Sunday and after that sermon... I was able to see week by week what was coming, where we were going. When that line hit and that all went dark, it became a, just a, like a 100% be still and know that I am the Lord and trust in him. And that went on for two full weeks. What is that line? What are we talking about? I, I talked it over with a few leaders. We were praying about it. And I'm still not 100% sure. But I think it was all building up to last Sunday. And last Sunday, we stepped over that line into full commitment, into wholehearted commitment. God drew that line in the sand. We're going we're to see that in our Bible read. There's lines that are drawn. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose, will you choose life or will you choose death? And God put this line in front of our church. And he was building and building towards last week. And then he said, now I'm going to invite you to step over that line into wholehearted living and service for me. And when we did that, what that's going to bring is a wholehearted experience of him that we've been so longing for, but it's been elusive. We haven't quite been able to get there. We're trying to do all the right things, but we haven't got there. But now it's there. Last week, the large majority of us, I mean 99.9% of us last week responded to the order call. The order call was, will you commit to live wholeheartedly for Christ? Come what may. That's the important thing. Come what may. Because we don't know what may come. So like Abraham, we said, I don't know anything about this land that you're taking me into, but I will follow you wholeheartedly. And that's what we said last week. If you weren't here last week, hopefully you listened to the podcast and you responded on your own. And what God wants us to know today is that he heard and he saw and he is so pleased with our response. Last week we responded to his invitation to us, and this week is his response to our response. We made a dedication last week, individually and family and couple and corporately as a church. We made a dedication, we made a commitment to him that we will follow him, we will live for him wholeheartedly in these days ahead, come what may, now realizing that what may come could be very serious. Hopefully not. I'm not a doomsday prophet. I'm holding out for hopefully not. 
But it could come, and it could come suddenly, and it could come unexpectedly, and we won't be caught unawares. His response to our commitment last week is this promise. Come what may, we know he will work it out for our great good. That's huge. We need to know that. When what may come comes, we need to know that. Or our response will be discouragement and unbelief and depression and to turn away. What an encouraging word to us from our loving Heavenly Father today and the Lord Jesus Christ. So at this time, I'd like to just call Joe forward. Joe, if you'll come to the mic. While Joe's coming, if you're here and you weren't here last Sunday morning and you, you didn't listen to the podcast, but you have heard what the Spirit's saying to the church today, then I'd like you to step out of your pew and come forward before Joe prays and just come up here as a show of your commitment, your presentation of yourself. Is there any who wants to come? Thank you. Come. Come running up here. God's waiting with open arms. You come up. Just stand yourselves right there. That's fine. Any others, don't miss this opportunity. Step over that line. It's not going to be good for those who are on this line. It's not going to be good for the unbelievers that are on this side of the line. It's going to be miserable for Christians that don't step over that line in these days ahead. Okay, thank you. Joe, when you pray, will you just commit these folks to the Lord and, and their dedication? Wait, we'll stand with you. Let's all stand. Once Joe's done praying, we'll have the band come forward and we'll close out with worship. Hold on a second, Joe. We got one more. Okay. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for this great message, this great timely word. And Father, we thank you for these four souls that came forward to commit heart holding wholeheartedly toward you, Father. We thank you, Father God, for the whole congregation who came forward last week. And we just pray, Father God, that the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift you have given us because he has made it confident, made us confident to go out and, and fight the fight that the pastor was talking about. Father God, we thank you for equipping us to, like the Lord told us in our Bible reading, to go out and when we go to fight the fight, be confident, be bold, be courageous, and he will not fail us or abandon us. And Father, I just pray for clarity this week as we go out into the world and into our situations, our divine situations that you have appointed for us, that our thoughts will be clear, wisdom will come forward, that we can minister. And Father, instead of them giving us hell, you will help us help them find heaven. Amen. Father Hallelujah. God, yes, Lord. We just praise you and we worship you and we dedicate this week entirely to you. Father God, just be with us and I thank you for the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' most precious name I pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening to our weekly message. To connect with us, visit our website at blesscolumbia.org.